Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I haven't said that in a long time, and I said it just like P.F. Tompkins for some reason. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's kind of how he would say it. But you're not wearing a, a vest and bow tie. No, and my mustache is non-existent, too. Or a pork pie hat. I've got nothing except for that one inflection. <laughs> okay. That's the only similarity. So Josh is in a great mood because it's Friday. Yeah. And we're actually, not like we aren't usually pleased to be here, but we haven't done this in two weeks because we've been doing other stuff and we stacked up, you know, recordings and it's like, it's a genuine pleasure to be back in here doing this. It is. Like, I feel like I could do this with my eyes closed. Yeah. Try it. Oh, Start no. podcast. I can't see my notes. <laughs> okay. Well, it's still pretty good, Chuck. You, you got a joke in there anyway. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here because I know I can do this. Right. <laughs> you know? There's not a camera in front of us. Exactly. Us feel yeah. inferior. Yeah. You feel good? Mm-hmm. I feel good too, Chuck. So I'm going to uh, use that good feeling to give you an introduction, okay? Let's hear it. Let's say, Chuckers, that you did not have a very good time in high school. But I did. But I'll, I'll imagine that it right. did not. You're suspending disbelief here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you were one of the less popular kids, perhaps because of that one time you wore that cape to school. Yeah. It didn't go nearly as well <laughs> as you had expected it would. I thought I would be uh, lauded as a superhero among my peers. Right. But they made fun of me. Right. Okay. Um, and that pretty much set the timber for the rest of your high school experience. <laughs> and, and life. It really stuck with you, you know? Uh-huh. It really got in your craw mm-hmm. that that you were so mistreated in high school. Right. And you had a couple of friends, Kevin mm-hmm. and Jim, mm-hmm. and um, they had similar experiences. And you guys are now in your 30s or 40s. You've got a little money, <laughs> and you still are driven by bitter anger. Right. You want vengeance, right? Right. So you're not exactly the type to um, kill somebody. No, 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 no. And um, your idea of revenge is pretty grand. So what you decide to do is to start your own country. Hey, that's a good way to get back at the, the jerks in high school. Exactly. This is the, the legal way to do it, right? Okay. All you do, start your own country, mm-hmm. um, and you invite these guys to come visit, and then throw them in prison the moment they get there. <laughs> okay. Done. Maybe even put them on a terrorist watch list before they get there, uh-huh. and not alert your authorities yeah. of what's going on. And then just sit back and re- wait for the uh, the good times to roll. Right. Okay? All right. Done. There's a couple of problems here. Okay. One, you have no idea how to start your own country. Well, I do in real life because I've read your article, but yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. We're here to tell you. That's right. So everyone who hears this podcast will know how to start their own country, pretty much. And it's easier than you'd think. Uh, in theory, Sure. Well, let's let's talk about it, Chuck. All right. Okay. Well, one way, Josh, that you can do so, and history has shown that it it's works, is uh, a larger nation, let's say Great Britain. They used to be into colonizing places all over the world. Yeah, here or there. Lovely places. To, they like to relax on the beach. Mm-hmm. And um, they did so, well, Rhodesia is not exactly on the beach, but I was speaking of like the Virgin Islands. Sure. Uh, but they did that. A larger nation uh, colonized... A smaller one and changed the name to Rhodesia and said, this is a new country. Yes, you are now Rhodesians. Yep. And if you don't like it, 
We've got guns here. And that is one way to do it. And then there's the opposite way to do it. Uh-huh. You could be a Rhodesian and be like, you know what? We have guns now, too. Right. Or Zimbabwe. And now this place is called Zimbabwe. Yeah. Yeah. Zulu, 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 Zulu. Yeah. Um, and then there's, uh, let's see, the kind of secession that where you go buy an island. Yeah. And basically say, okay, this island is now its own thing. Yeah. I think, didn't Marlon Brando own his own island? Yeah. I don't think he tried to make it his own country, although he may have. There are a significant number of islands for sale in the world. Really? Yeah. They're, they're pretty small though, huh? Or I guess they range. I mean, they're small enough or they're big enough. Right. The problem is the, um, getting electricity. That's the, that's the big problem, I think. Yeah. Although if I was going to buy an island, I would try and keep it off grid, you know, or, or, you know, do the solar thing or Did something you really? like that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. I'd deck my island out. Well, I'd want mine decked out though, but you can still deck it out with solar panels and like the, the, uh, Swiss family Robinson or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's just how I roll. But the more the the more customary way of starting your own country is like we were saying, um, say Zimbabwe or something like that, is called a land based secession. Yeah, not as easy. No, it really isn't because um, whereas if you were to buy a deserted tropical island that no country that a country technically owned but wasn't doing anything with, uh-huh. they probably wouldn't put up too much of a fight. If you own property in a country and say this is no longer part of this country, you're going to get some sort of resistance. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like Russia. Soviet Union Mm -hmm. obviously dissolved and uh, they're still doing battle with Georgians, you know, today. They definitely They, They didn't just forget and say, eh, it's no big deal. Right, yeah. Relations among the former Soviet states with Russia are definitely strained. Yeah, where else? Chechnya? Yeah, Chechen rebels are um, not the most uh, happy people around. Right. Yeah, and they will kill children. They've shown to secede. Oh yeah, yeah. Secessions are bloody and horrible. Oh, were they the the school? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Okay. What was it? The SWAT podcast? Yeah, I think so. Um, let's see what else. Oh, uh, Yugoslavia. Yeah, that's a, another really good example too. Um, there is a guy. Named uh, Joseph Tito, right? Not Tito Jackson. <laughs> no. Okay. Or Tito's Handmade Vodka. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tito um, was this guy who was a brutal, iron-fisted dictator. But he, there was a, he had a reputation where people would say, Tito is a brutal, iron-fisted dictator. But you got to hand it to him. He's keeping Yugoslavia together, and this is amazing. Right. This the, Yugoslavia, before Tito and then after Tito... Were a bunch of ethnic uh-huh. people, um, groups living together that had hated each other for a thousand years. Right. Like the, I think the, the problem between the Albanians and the Serbs went back to, uh, um, a, a massacre or the murder of a, a martyr in like 12 something. Really? In the 13th century. Wow. So Tito comes along and is like, nope, you all live together in my country. Uh huh. After Tito dies, Yugoslavia falls apart, and all of a sudden you have Albania, Serbia, all that stuff. Right. But these were huge, enormous problems for the world. The Balkans were a big match, or a big flashpoint, right? Sure. But ultimately what happened was a bunch of ethnic Albanians said, you know what, we're no longer part of Serbia. We, right. have, our own, we have our own nations now. Right. Uh, that's one way to do it. That's land-based secession. And like we said, it's usually kind of bloody, right? That's right. But there are a few steps that uh, Albanians took, that Serbs eventually took, um, and that other people have taken that are basically like a four 
part means of becoming an independent nation. Yeah. So, so also I should, I have to give a huge shout out to, um, Joshua Keating, who wrote a really cool article, um, on foreign policy. Is that, or, uh, at foreign that? policy magazine uh-huh. about this, um, that formed the basis of this article. It's just way better. His, His is way better. Oh, really? No, mine is way better than the <laughs> editor at uh, Foreign Policy yeah, exactly. Magazine. Uh, well, so three things, Josh, and there, we're going to talk about the four steps, but three things that generally give you a leg up if you want to form a new country is a population of, I would guess, like-minded folks. Not just a population, a permanent population. Like, yeah, this sure. is these people's homeland, or this is where they live, this is where they farm. Right. Not, they're on vacation here, let's right. get a country going. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, government and land. Those, th- that'll really give you a leg up if you've got those three things. It's a good starter kit. And there's a fourth one that's not necessarily, those three are n- internationally recognized as yes. If you can, if you have those three things, mm-hmm. then you're on your way to, to forming a, a country. Was the fourth currency? The fourth, no, the fourth is that that government has to be able to communicate with the outside world. Oh. Um, and then sense. that that came out of a, a treaty in uh, 1933 in Montevideo where the U.S. said, okay, we'll leave Latin America alone. You guys are your own sovereign nations now. Right. We'll just undermine you covertly rather than overtly. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, that's kind of disputed. I think the United States recognizes it still, but uh-huh. other countries don't necessarily see that as criteria for nationhood. Well, it's tricky, and we'll see here in a minute when we start talking about the awesomely funny and wacky sea land i can't wait being recognized it's it's some people recognize certain things and some people say you're a sovereign nation and then or an independent uh it's it's very formal and informal whether or not you're recognized or not and i can't really tell when you're a legitimate country anymore no really the only way there isn't there's, if like another the, recognized country recognizes you as even, a country even that doesn't necessarily mean anything because take taiwan mm-hmm Taiwan used to be a recognized country, part of the UN, and then in 1971, Nixon threw it to the dogs as a um, an olive branch to China, and Taiwan hasn't been a, a part of the UN since then. Are they trying to be? They, they, yes, really. Every and they're couple just of years, vetoed? they petitioned to come back into right. the UN, not even come in the first time to come back. Right. They got booted out because Nixon was like, "Yeah, the U.S. isn't backing you any so, longer." We got our little empty chair there with our little. Placard, I see it right there with the microphone. Exactly. There's yeah. a little earpiece interpreter. It has like a, a cobweb dust on, on it. it. <laughs> Please. But yeah, so Taiwan is a sovereign nation as far as it's concerned, as far as many other nations are concerned, but it's not officially recognized by other countries. Right. It's, well, you know, very big, important one. Yeah, and UN protection, that's big because that means that your former country, if you're uh, all of a sudden recognized by the UN, can't roll in there and take you back by force, at least. Per the UN's rules, they can't. They're not supposed to, yeah. no. Because once you do that, that's war. And uh, there's uh, it, uh, first, I should say, once you've completed step two, which is declare independence. Right. You got to write your own declaration of independence. Right. And then once you write your own declaration of independence, send it to the important people that need to see that. I guess. Right. Well, the the country that you're seceding from. Well, sure, they'd be first on the list. Sure. And then then if you can get recognized. Then you're a sovereign nation, basically, on the international stage, and that's an act of war, an unprovoked act of aggression on par with um, Pearl Harbor or 9-11 or right. whatever. Sure. And I think that what you mentioned, Kosovo and Montenegro, is being uh, 
on the winning side of that those laws that kept them protected from Serbia. Yeah, so um, that's because the U.S. recognized Kosovo as a, on the day yeah. it, it rec- on the day it declared independence. George Bush was like, "Hey, uh, yeah, we're going to recognize you as a sovereign nation," and they were like, "What?" And he said, like, "Kosovo, yeah. we recognize you." Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and the reason why Keating points out that back in the day during the Cold War, um, it used to be that uh, all you had to do was say, "I'm anti-Soviet." And the U.S. would recognize you immediately. Right. Or you could be like, you know, American capitalist pig dogs, and the USSR would be like, hey, you're on our team. You're a country. Right. But um, And they both start printing stamps. Right. But with Kosovo in particular, uh-huh. declaring independence, it was kind of like a thumb in the eye to Russia. Right. Because, you know, former Soviet, Soviet state yeah, yeah, satellite. Sure. Um, and so Bush recognizing it was kind of like a... To, to the Russians. A what, Josh? What was that? <laughs> you know what it was. <laughs> yes, Josh, and those rules that we're talking about, the UN rules, are uh, a remnant of the Cold War to protect new states that were not yet recognized by one side of the block or the other. Right. They hadn't They hadn't unilaterally yeah. declared their that's BLOC, there. not new kids on the block with a K. Did they spell it with a K? Yeah, oh yeah, that wouldn't be new kids on the block. That would have been a different band. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that was the first three steps, I believe, right? You yeah. have criteria, declare independence, you, uh, petition for, um, UN recognition, and I should also say, it's incredibly easy to yeah. petition for UN recognition. You it's almost send- cute how easy it is. It's almost adorable that you can just write a letter. Tell them, Chuck. No, you just write a letter to the Secretary General and say, I would like to be a country. I don't even. That was a mix of like eight accents. So, <laughs> right. don't call me it out on that. It sounded a lot like um, <laughs> vodka. Oh, yes, ex- that's exactly who it sounded like. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you just write a letter, and and getting in. I mean, the letter writing part is easy. That's that's the big part. And as a matter of fact, as a PSA, we're going to give you the um, address. Really? To send your letter to if you are going to um, declare your independence. You want to uh, address your uh, letter to Ban Ki Moon. Secretary General, the United Nations, First Avenue at 46th Street, New York, New York, 10017. And all you have to do is say, Mr. Uh, Bond, mm-hmm. um, we uh, would like to be a nation. We have a, we have a sedentary population. Mm-hmm. We have a government. Our government can even talk to people if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, we've got phones. And, yeah, and um, we, have a, uh, we have a geography. So let us in, huh? Chuck, also, um, to be accepted into the UN, uh, you need uh, recognition by a two-thirds vote. Okay. And a two-thirds majority says that you're a, quote, peace-loving state that can carry out the duties of the UN Charter. Uh, that means you are in. Yes, but that can be easily vetoed by uh, member nations. And um, like you pointed out in the article, I guess it's it's you want to make friends with the, the, the big players. In the UN and get yeah. them on your side, that, that would definitely help. Yeah. Um, there's a, you know, neutral countries are always like, sure, well, we're yeah. neutral, whatever you want to <laughs> do, pal. Right, right. Um, they don't carry much weight, though. No, not, not nearly as much as, you know, the, the, you could basically call them bullied countries. Yeah. Countries that have the economic and military might to push everybody else around. Right. Make decisions for the rest of the world. Um, so if you can get recognized and get in bed with one of those guys, mm-hmm. you're gonna your nation's going to 
to start to thrive. Another um, way to get your nation to thrive is to attract foreign investors. Yeah. You pointed out natural resources. If you happen to have an island like... It's a big one. Let's say the Waponi Woos had Boobaroo, if you remember. I don't remember that. Boobaroo was this uh, uh, mineral, I believe, that the Waponis had. Mm -hmm. I remember he he wanted their island. That was the whole point. He wanted it for Boobaroo because uh, it it helped out with whatever his business was. Lloyd Bridges, of course, we're talking about. The late, great Lloyd Bridges. I liked his uh, little stint on Seinfeld toward the end of his life. <laughs> so good. He just came out of nowhere. Because he, he was the uh, the father of the old trainer, right? He, or no, he was he the old was trainer. He was the trainer, and then his son would like drive the car right. while he was turned around like shouting at a, out of a bullhorn at Jerry. But wasn't was there even an the older... Car. Like wasn't his father? No, his also son was an old man. Okay, that's and what he it was. was like the yeah. older man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Joe versus the volcano, obviously, which we've mentioned before. And in that movie, um, he wanted the mineral rights to this imaginary element or mineral, and um, that's a good way to get sovereignty uh, is to attract, I guess, a wealthy entrepreneur and say, "Hey, I've got some awesome sand on this island." Right. Um, you've got that. You can. Um, you can also create currency and back it with said mineral or natural resource. Yeah. Like this is uh, eight gas bucks. Yeah, yeah. If you have natural gas. What's this Nevada thing? There's a guy um, who, what's the name of the place? Uh, the Republic of uh, Malassia. Okay. There's a guy in Nevada who owns like a, a parcel of arid land that no one else wants in Nevada and he has declared it in a republic. Really? It will never, ever get recognized internationally because it's in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And you, that, that's a perfect example, Chuck, of what, it, what international recognition is like. Imagine if China recognized the Republic of Malaysia as an independent nation within <laughs> Nevada. Yeah. Can you imagine what a thumb in the eye of the United States is? It would go nowhere. There would be sure. nothing. What are the, the Chinese aren't going to arm this guy. Right. Right. So like, that's what is going on. I mean, think about this. Like American Indian tribes, Native American tribes have petitioned for independence and they can't get it. This guy in Malassia is never going to get it. Yeah. And they were here long before that guy. Now imagine if this were serious Mm -hmm. and there were, you know, there were really huge like uh, mineral rights at stake. Yeah, Yeah. These people were accepting arms. They were warring with somebody that could pull you into a war. Sure. Then it starts to get like a little more nerve wracking, but the thing's the exact same. Yeah. People recognize nations just to tick off other nations. Right. To embroil other nations in war or problems or to show, to scoff at it. It's basically like pushing another popular kid into a locker. That's like recognizing a a new nation. Right. That's that's often a company to it. And then shutting the locker. Yeah. Uh, what does the guy in Nevada back his currency? Does he have currency or just... Um... He backs it with chocolate chip cookie dough. And you pointed out that that's not very uh, valid, but I point out, I counter that, sir. Okay. And say that I would love for things to be backed with chocolate chip cookie dough. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I would too, but after a while I'd be like, I don't want any more money. Yeah, that's true. You eat enough cookie dough and you're going to get sick to your stomach. I would strongly recommend reading that Chicago Tribune um story on that guy because it is extremely interesting it's called one nation under me by colleen mastoni it came out in 2008 on the republic of malassia awesome he is not the only wacky guy running around um 
with uh, a, a saying like, I'm an independent nation. Right. Um, he's actually not, I mean, he's kind of serious, but not really. Uh-huh. I get the impression he's half performance artist. Sure. There's a guy who founded his own nation in the 60s. Yeah. Um, off the coast of Great Britain. Yep. And um, it's still around today, Sealand. It is. It's an amazing story. It is. I think they're making it, or they've talked about making a movie, and this has been requested. In fact, I didn't hear about this at all until someone had requested it um, a while ago, about six months ago. So whoever that was, thank you. So, Chuck, apparently in World War II, the British um, made a a bunch of military outposts that were basically like um, oil derricks or oil platforms. Uh They weren't pumping oil. They were just stationary out, out in the North Sea. Yeah. Off the British coast to basically shoot down German airplanes in case of attack. Yeah, just big, almost like stationary aircraft carriers. Right. And they tore most of them down. Yeah. After the war, except they left one up. And apparently no one has any idea why this one particular one uh-huh. was left up. But it was about uh, seven miles, seven nautical miles, which is like 1.1 something land miles. Okay. I don't even know why they have those. What, nautical miles? Yeah. Hey, it's different out in the water, buddy. Bet we hear about it. <laughs> um, off of the coast of England, right? Uh-huh. Which puts it outside of the three-mile range of territorial waters. Remember uh, who owns the ocean? That's right. Okay. So this thing is in international waters, Yep. even Called though the British built it. Ruff's Tower was mm-hmm. the name of this particular one. And like you said, it stayed there. Or the rest of them were abandoned and then torn down. And this one was just... Uh, it was abandoned and left up. Yeah, abandoned and left up. So a guy, a pirate radio broadcaster, which at the time um, England was uh, lousy with pirate radio broadcasters that weren't allowed to broadcast certain things uh, in England, so they'd go outside to international waters. And, that's what Christian Slater did. That's right. And there's a movie Philip Seymour Hoffman was just in about pirate radio. Called, oh, okay. I believe called Pirate Radio. Yeah, sounds familiar. But anyway, this guy, uh, English major Patty Roy Bates... Uh, was a pirate radio broadcaster who took up residence September 1967, f- about 6,000 square feet, this platform is, and said, you know what, I'm the prince of Sealand. And, and his wife just shook her head. And he said, but no, you're the princess of Sealand, so and don't shake like, your okay, head. Okay, all right. Yes, and then she was down with it, and this is the principality of Sealand, and we are our own nation, and we are not a part of England so be it. Yeah. And that was pretty much how it started. So, this guy, I guess the story would probably end there, but this guy was bound and determined. He was dead serious. Yeah, to get recognized. Call him a crackpot or whatever, but this guy made this place, yeah. right? one of the great crackpots, though. So, uh, I guess, what was that? That was in 1967. Yeah. The next year, the um, British Navy... Sailed into this guy's waters. They were aware of him. Yeah, they went to fix a buoy. Is that what happened? Yeah, there was a um, some sort of buoy out there that needed maintenance. So they entered his waters, air quotes, and he son uh, son Michael actually. I think um, this was wrong. I think his son Michael is who fired warning shots in the air uh-huh. and got in trouble. Well, you you get the attention of the navy when you start firing shots, like yeah. f- for their attention. Sure, you know, um, and yeah, that was kind of a. That was a big deal. Yeah, back on back on the uh, on the island of England, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people were calling for this guy to be court-martialed or thrown in jail or something, right? Yeah. So a case was brought against him mm-hmm. in uh, the House of Commons or in the Common Court. Right. Right. A lawsuit, basically. And um, 
the court ruled we can't do anything. This is not within our jurisdiction. Yeah. It's not within English jurisdiction. And they went, sweet. And through that ruling, it was recognized and documented that this guy had a de facto sovereign nation. That's right. A, a The court of another nation, another sovereign nation, ruled that it had no jurisdiction over this place called Sealand. This platform. Yeah. Out in the ocean. So uh, seven years later, uh, they proclaimed the Constitution. They um, have since then have developed uh, a flag. They have a coat of arms. Mm-hmm. Coat it's of a arms. nice coat of arms. Yeah, it's nice. And it's on the flag. Yeah. Um, they have a national anthem. They have stamps. They have currency, uh, Sealand dollars, which are equivalent to one American dollar. Um, I guess whatever the American dollar happens to be, that's Sealand changes along with us. Uh-huh. And they had passports made. Yeah. And they gave them out to people. They didn't sell them. There's about 200 of them in existence, real ones. Today. Yes. There's 500 times more forged ones in existence. Right, because people started to use Sealand as a as like a... Way to open bank accounts. Okay. They, they just forged these documents, and since no one had ever seen them, people would say, what is this? And then they'd go do some research, and they'd say... Oh, well, okay. This is a real thing. Okay. And they would give them the loan. August. There'd be a lot of okays. <laughs> August of 78. Let's flash forward a bit. Um, okay. They, quote, okay. unquote, win a war. Uh, this uh, guy named Alexander Achenbach, who um, called himself the prime minister of Sealand, mm-hmm. apparently when uh, Roy uh, was, I'm sorry, the prince of Sealand and, and the princess were on the British mainland, he sent in um, some mercenaries to take the, uh, I keep wanting to call it an island, to take Sealand. Why? I didn't find out why. I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. I guess he was, I mean, he, he said he was a prime minister, so maybe he was trying to, you know, he had had enough of, of Prince Roy's iron-fisted rule or something, and he wanted to take it for himself. <laughs> right. He, he was tired of him strutting around. So they uh, they sent these helicopters and speedboats in. There was a battle. They kidnapped the son, Michael. Yeah, this is serious. Took Sealand by force. And then Roy hears of this, obviously. He gets on it and wages a battle against uh, these mercenaries and wins and retakes Sealand, holds these people captive, releases the Dutch. There were Dutch and Germans. Right. And charges uh, Achenbach with uh, treason. Because he was prime minister of Sealand, holds him, and this is this is the best part of the whole thing. Eventually, Germany sent a diplomat to Sealand mm-hmm. to negotiate his release, and that is used today still as de facto evidence, because a, an official diplomat from a country came to our country to to negotiate with us. So that is de facto proof that we are a sovereign nation. Well, it's proof two out of two, at least. Yeah. Although, I mean, like all the stuff they were doing internally, like issuing passports and forming currency and a flag sure. and other national treasures, that, um, <laughs> that, treasures. that, um, that, that definitely, uh, suggests that they're a sovereign nation as well. Yeah, they proved, they said, hey, this guy recognizes this German diplomat came here. Yeah. So but, and plus, I mean, not just sovereign, but that's like a war. Yeah. They won the war, like you said. Technically. Um, and also, that's a lot like, um, the mouse that roared. Yeah, I, th- I thought of that same thing, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, uh, almost exactly the same. Yeah. 
great uh, movie. What was that? 1959, I think. The book or the movie? The movie. Yeah. With Peter Sellers, uh-huh. David Niven, I'm sure. Those two are inseparable. What was the deal? They America declared a f- kind of a phony war on a no, small they, nation? Oh, a no, small de- nation. Right. That was like going under, declared war on America. Right, to get some press. So that they could surrender, not just get press, but so they could get international aid. Right. For having lost a war with America, apparently the humanitarian aid pours in. But they won, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. I remember I read that in high school. Did you? Yeah. Good for you, Chuck. So uh, flash forward a bit more and um, to 1987, uh, Britain extended territorial waters to 12 nautical miles, the day before Britain does this, Prince Roy does the same thing. So they have over, overlapping waters, and even though they've never negotiated anything, apparently there's an understanding that it's split down the middle when this happens between countries. You do not mess with Prince Roy. That's and the understanding. The other cool thing is because international law doesn't allow you to claim new land when you extend your sea rights, it was grandfathered in and just to this day is still sitting there. Well, it's... Speaking of to this day, after like 40 years, um, Prince Roy's like, I'm done. I did it. He's got to be old. He is old. Uh, his, he, I think he tried to give it to his son. So I was like, eh. So Prince Roy is trying to sell it. Michael's in London. He's like, yeah. It, um, it started, it, 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 it experienced a revival with, um, some investment from, uh, Haven Co. Limited, which basically says, hey, we have internet servers on this island, and they're in a sovereign nation, which means they can't be shut down except, you know, by attack. Right. And that attracted a lot of people who, like Pirate Bay. Sure. Bit, like rogue BitTorrent um, sites oh. mirror their stuff on these servers. Gotcha. It's a lot like the internet's version of um, offshore bank accounts of the Caymans. Gotcha. Um, so, so did the, they sell it? The Pirate Bay was looking at sell, uh, buying it, I think, in 2007, but it fell through. As far as I know, you could conceivably buy Sealand today. Well, Pirate Bay was going to buy it, but they found out there was no hardwood floors under the carpet, so they said, nah. Yeah. No, thanks. Or they were rotted. Right. Yeah. So that's Sealand, eh? Yeah, and it's still going strong. It, I mean, they claim de facto recognition still to this day. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a sovereign country. Yeah. Dude, if, if Britain's like, we can't mess with you, and they won a war with Germany. Right. Okay. And he didn't pay into the health system. Britain said, all right, you don't have to pay into the health system. Yeah. But don't call us when you get sick. Yeah. Probably. So that's a, that's a what's considered a micronation, although I realize there are also other micronations that exist only on the web. Right. We need to do one on those, I think. Have we not? Mm-mm. All right. It's on the list. All right. You should go do a little more research on this on HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, you should probably check out uh, How Do I Start My Own Country, for starters. There's some good links in that article, too. Um, we mentioned who owns the oceans. You need to know that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, how currency works is probably a good one to brush up on as well, right? Yeah. Go read uh, The Mouse at Roared or watch it. Yeah. Do that, too. You can find all that by using the dapper search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, right? Mm-hmm. I said dapper. So that triggers listener mail today. That's right. Uh, Josh, this is another update from Sarah, the amazing fan. Oh, hey, Sarah. We get these uh, usually around her birthday. Mm-hmm. And she gets maudlin. As everybody knows, we have been keeping up with uh, Sarah since she was 11, the amazing 11-year-old fan, and Sarah's about to turn 14. Wow. Growing up right, not right before our eyes, but right before our ears. And she just writes the best email. So this is from uh, Sarah. Dear Chuck, Josh, Jerry, Frank the Chair, Handy Dandy Microphones, and last but not least, the Last Chance Garage Hat. 
Wow. She wrote into my hat. Wow, what a year. I don't know if y'all have been keeping track. I seriously doubt it, but I can dream, right? But I will be turning 14 in 15 days on the 24th. And I'm not sure when this is coming out, but um, should be sometime around there. Yeah. Uh, not only is my birthday in two weeks, but my eighth grade graduation falls on the day before, meaning that my class trip to Six Flags, by the way, is on my birthday. Yay. Smiley face. Uh, because of the two and a half hour to three hour drive, I'll probably be listening to some epic podcasts on the way. Now to the real topic of this email, I'm going to share my hardcore parkour experience. After I read the blog that Chuckers posted on parkour in the computer lab at school, I went on a parkour rampage. Well, not really a rampage, but I just decided to randomly walk up to things, jump next to them, and say, Parkour! (laughs) When I did a parkour jump next to one of my friends, she goes, Do you watch The Office? Apparently there was an episode where some of the characters went on a parkour rampage similar to mine. Yeah, we mentioned that, right? Uh Uh-huh. I decided to look it up and found that it was really hilarious. You may want to start a parkour club right there at HowStuffWorks.com. We are way too fat and old for that. (laughs) Yeah, we've learned that this week. Uh, so that, uh, she says, ha, ha, ha. Well, uh, <laughs> See, she knows. <laughs> Love and Rockets. Sarah, the amazing 13, almost 14-year-old fan. That is awesome. And she made a uh, Daniel Ash reference there at the end with Love and Rockets. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if she meant that, but I think it's an adorable way to sign an email if you're Agreed. 14. Well, it's Sarah. She's adorable all over. Absolutely. Sarah, happy, happy birthday. We're so glad you've been growing up with us. Yep. We appreciate you. Yep. You stay safe parkouring out there. Please do. Have fun at uh, Six Flags. Be careful on the roller coasters. You know they make me nervous. And, um, well, heck, we'll say happy birthday again to you next year, okay? Absolutely. All right. Uh, If you have a uh, flag, if you have a name of a country, if you have any ideas for starting your own country, we want to hear about them. You can post them on our Facebook page. That is Stuff You Should Know, after a slash, after dot com, after Facebook, after www, after slash, after slash, after a colon, after a P, after a T, and after an H. Right? Do that in reverse order in a URL bar anywhere, and it's going to take you to our Facebook page. You can also reach us on Twitter at SYSK Podcast, and you can send us regular old-fashioned email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?